Welcome to the Mystical Motherhood Podcast. This is Chelsea, and I want you to create a happy family. I use my background in Western and Eastern medicine, birth, and ancient yogic practices to help the modern mother learn how to live a healthier life and create conscious children. This is your guide to fertility, conception, pregnancy, birth, postpartum, and the early childhood years. Are you ready to live the life of your dreams? Welcome back, everyone. This is Mystical Motherhood's episode number 11. In this episode, I'm going to tell you my birth stories and the decisions that I made that were different um, than the typical way of giving birth. In this uh, episode, you were going to learn about why I chose a home birth um, compared to a hospital birth, even while working in a hospital, questions you should ask a midwife if you choose to use one, why I used a doula in both of my births, and questions you should ask a doula while interviewing her. You're going to learn a little bit about the Bradley method, which was the method of education I used for to, to prepare for my home birth. It was very effective. And we may go into a little bit about using Ayurveda postpartum. So this is a whole class on different ways to prepare for your birth. So I was working in a hospital in labor and delivery, a very top medical center in the nation. And I had the opportunity to go and study with Ina Mae Gaskin at the farm in Tennessee. If you don't know who she is, I highly recommend buying her books before you have your baby. One book is called Spiritual Midwifery, and it's one of the most famous books ever written on birth. What Ina Mae did is in the 1960s, she and her husband and a group of caravanners moved from San Francisco to Tennessee in order to live together in a different way, obviously like a commune. And they did this quite successfully, but she found that she needed to somehow, you know, all of these women were pregnant on the road there and giving birth when they arrived on this land. So she basically taught herself how to become a midwife. And she looked through all the ancient texts, and she kept the art of midwifery alive in the United States. And basically, she still teaches, I I believe, at this point. And I got the chance to go and stay at the farm and learn from her and these other midwives. And again, this is Ina Mae Gaskin. You should definitely Google this if if you don't know who she is, because she can teach you a lot in her books. Highly recommend reading them. And I learned, when I was there, I learned the art of midwifery. And I learned that birth is not a medical process. It's a natural process of love. And there's an, there's so much fear in the birth world in the medical centers. And I was working in one. So understanding that there's a different way of doing it honestly opened me up to a whole nother world that j- changed my life forever. And, and I knew there had to be a better way. So I decided from that point, I was ready to have a baby and I went home. I was pregnant within a couple of months and I gave birth or I became pregnant with my first child and I decided to have her at home. I decided to have a home birth in San Francisco. So I had to interview different midwives and a home birth, you can only have a home birth if you are healthy. So you can't, it's not even an option if you aren't healthy and it's not for everyone. Only 1% of the American population has a home birth. Um, 
For me, it was exactly what I wanted to do because I felt I had been working at a hospital. I knew what to expect from birth. And it was something that I felt spiritually, mentally, and physically prepared for. So it's not for everyone, but it's for me. I wanted to talk to you about how to interview a midwife if you decide to use a midwife in your birth um, for your care. Because I've had a lot of clients that I've worked with that were working with doctors and they actually ended up switching over to use a midwife from a doctor because they found that the midwife care was so different. It's more holistic. They look at the mind-body-spirit connection they don't do as many tests. So you can't really switch to a midwife if you have you know, any illnesses such as high blood pressure or if you're a diabetic. You'd have to stick with a doctor. But if you're very healthy, you can go to a midwifery clinic. So you can go to a birth center. Sometimes midwives work within hospitals and sometimes they're at, just for home birth. So there's different types of midwives. But I wanted to go over some of the questions that you can ask a midwife Um, in order to prepare for your birth. And you can get all of this information in my book, Mystical Motherhood. Basically, I take you exactly through each step of preparing for your birth. And I'm going to just read them out loud so that you can think about them when you're interviewing. Even This can even be transferred over to a doctor. So where was she trained? What's her educational background? Is she still keeping up on education? What is her experience? How many years has she been working and how many births has she attended? How many births have gone wrong? So you want to know, you want to ask her stories about different births and see, you know, how many different times she's had emergencies or she's had to transfer a patient to a doctor or how does she handle those emergencies? What does she do if you were to get sick during the pregnancy You may want to speak to other patients of hers um, to understand how they, what their experience was. References are obviously some of the most important things when picking a healthcare provider. And you also want to feel, what does it feel like when you're around her? Because a lot of my clients, they say, you know, I just don't like this doctor or I don't like this midwife. I just feel like something's wrong. I don't think they're going to be at my birth. I have a concern. You've got to trust your intuition and you can switch. I mean, if it's really late in the game, I've even heard, you know, late in the game, you can, but you don't really, you don't want to do that. It's not ideal, but you'd rather feel comfortable with the provider and not have any fear. So you want to ask her other services she, she includes, If she's a home birth midwife, if you're having a home birth, you want to ask her her transfer rate because you don't, you don't actually want a low transfer rate. You want the midwife to be very, very safe. And if there's an emergency, not to be fearful of transferring you to the hospital, you know, long ahead, you know, long before you actually need to go. How can you contact her? So does she have a email service? Does she answer the phone? Does she work with a group of midwives and if she won't be at your birth, can you meet those other midwives beforehand? Or is she watch, does she take care of you the whole time? Um, and really ask yourself, would you want this person at your birth? Would you want them in the room? And does she stay in the room? So typically, if you're going to a hospital, I can say this, I have worked there. Most of the care providers don't even go into the room until you're about to give birth at most hospitals. And so a lot of times you can be feel very alone. 
And so you want to ask her how often, how long do you stay in the room? What kind of support should I get? You know, will I have, do you allow family in the room? And why did she become a midwife? What was, what was the reasoning behind her choice? Is she a hands-on midwife? You know, will she touch you or does she prefer to have a doula present to do that? Um, or does she like to just watch from afar with a calm energy? And does she like her, your family to participate? Does she encourage um, a lot of, you know, like I said, a lot of people in the room, but does she encourage participation from those individuals? And at the end, does she encourage you to give the baby a, vi- you know, a, he- a vitamin K shot, a hepatitis B shot? What does she feel about these different things? And does she support you postpartum? So it's a ton of questions. It can all be found on page 190 of Mystical Motherhood, but they're really valuable. I wish I would have had them before I interviewed my midwives. I went through intuition and I was really, really happy. I had both of my children at home successfully. And in both of my births, I also had a doula. And if you don't know what a doula is, it's a supportive person at the birth who's typically a female um, that makes you feel safe. And doulas, they specifically help reduce interventions. They're actually proven scientifically to reduce um, the need for anesthesia by their continuous presence. They actually, what is the, the, they save the healthcare system $2 billion a year. Because when you have somebody around, so when you when you check into the hospital, if this is your first birth, don't go too early. You you want you want to be at like three to five centimeters when you walk in. This isn't medical advice, but this is a personal opinion. Do what your doctor says, but and what the hospital says. But when you go to the hospital too early, you get fearful, and then when you get fearful, your your cervix will close and your body constricts and you just close down, and so the pain becomes awful. I mean, already, I mean, you don't want to be in fear and you don't want to close up and constrict your body when you're in labor. So going into a cold hospital too early can just scare your system. I've seen it happen to many, many patients. And so having a doula there, it's going to be different than your partner or your mother or whoever you're going to have in the room. And you want to be very specific of who you choose to be in the room with you. Ina Megaskin found that in you know all of her years, she found that when men walked in the room, the cervix closed because that's a natural organic response is because a male is a threat to our fight or flight system. So having a male that you don't know and don't trust coming in the room, it, you won't even understand it, but it will automatically scare you. So if you're choosing a hospital that has a lot of student doctors, you need, you know, you need to ask who's going to be in the room. Are, is everyone going to be coming and checking on me? What kind of system do you have? You know, you need to look at all of these different things when you're choosing where you're going to give birth because when there when there's a lot of different people and they're all walking in at different times, it can change the energy of your experience. So the doula can be somebody, you know, if you're in that experience that can keep the room steady and keep the energy flowing if it's the right doula. Doulas typically cost $1,000 to $1,500 per birth, but 
it's a one-time experience that's very important. So the doula can come over right when you start to go into labor at your house and she can take care of you. She typically can rub your back. She will put you in different positions. And then if she's a good doula, she'll know when to take you to the hospital so that you can have the type of birth you want. If you want an epidural, typically you don't need the doula after the epidural. I'm being honest as a labor and delivery nurse, I would tell the couple, you don't really need the doula. And you know, you can have her there, but she's just basically going to sit there after you get an epidural, but she's awesome and totally needed if you're going to have a natural birth in a hospital. And I mean, even at, at home, it was just another pair of hands when I had my babies at home, just another pair of hands to help us out. And you can always use more help. And in case there's something wrong, it's nice to have somebody there to help. So some questions you can ask um, the doula is how many births she's she's attended. So there's going to be a lot of new doulas out there. And and probably the new doulas are going to be less expensive. So it's going to be tempting. And they may seem like they understand birth, but you really want to make sure she knows what she's, I think, knows what she's doing. Because it's, it's not going to be good to pay someone to be there that gets nervous and hasn't actually experienced a birth when it's birth isn't fearful, but the sounds can be. So you want to make sure she's credible. Has she had children herself? That's a huge, huge question to ask a doula because a lot of them maybe haven't, and they are just interested in the birth world or maybe wanting to do that. Have her provide you with birth stories of other client clients so that you can hear what their experience was even from her point of view and also from theirs, if possible, does she help postpartum? That's a critical, critical, critical. It'll be a whole nother podcast, but you want to, you know, know, know how many times does she meet you in the beginning? So how, how often do you get to know her? And then how many times will she come over after the baby's born? Typically doulas will come to your house and help you with breastfeeding support or anything else after the baby's born and, and, how many clients has she had? How many years has she been working? Does she have a working relationship with the hospital or birth center that you're going to be going to? And for me, it was, does she have a working relationship with the with the home birth midwives? Because that really makes it easy for her to talk to the staff. Sometimes the hospitals will even have a book available of doulas that they recommend that are really good with the staff there. That's just an idea of where do you find one, and there's there's the in, there's an there's a American doula system you can international doulas that you can Google. How does she feel about intervention? So everyone has different approaches to birth. So I think you should just have the baby the way you're going to have your baby, uh, C section, whatever you're gonna whatever you're gonna do, just be prepared for that and make it as. I mean, I talk about this in mystical mother, mystical motherhood, but make it as safe and as, as loving as you can. But some people have, a, you know, they don't believe in intervention. They don't, they don't want you to get an epidural. They don't want you to, you know, use any anesthesia. And if you're going to use it, you need to make sure that she's comfortable with that because some people want to just go natural and they only want to be at natural birth. So ask about that and what she feels about that. Ask her if she advocates for her patients. So give her a scenario. Um, an example would be the mid, the nurse walks in the room. This would be a very typical example at the hospital. A nurse walks in the room and says, 
she's the nurse is uncomfortable with the amount of noise you're making that happens. And she's going to recommend that you get a epidural because it seems like you're tightening up and she wants you to, you know, your cervix to relax and she's recommending it. And you didn't want an epidural. What would, what would the doula do? And how would, how would her and her, you know, your husband, if your husband's in the room connect and how do they work as a team to advocate for what you desired and what's safe for you? Because when you're, when you're, giving when you're, if you choose to do natural labor, it's very difficult to think. (laughs) And so you really need people around you that can make the decision, you know, advocate for your needs and your desires and the way your baby's supposed to come in the world in a safe way. So if she has a working relationship with the nurses there, that's great because she may know them or know the doctors and how they work. And it's not uncommon for, you know, doulas that have been around for a long time to do that. What is her background? So what was she doing before she was a doula? Why did she become a doula? And you definitely need to ask for references. And when you meet her, make sure, ask her about the labor process. I, I mean, you really, because if she's a new doula, she needs to understand all the transitions. Ask her if she's studied with, Ina, or ask her if she's even read Ina McGaskin's books, because I promise you if she has, she'd be better. <laughs> um, just just see if she knows her stuff. Say, you know, what are, you know, the transitions of labor? What would you do if, give her a scenario if um, the baby came early? Give her any kind of scenario of how she handles emergencies, what happens, you know, under stress and what's happened in different situations. So, so far you've learned what to ask a midwife and what to ask a doula. And now I'm going to teach you why. So in my book, I I give a lot in mystical motherhood. I give a lot of different birthing class options to prepare for your birth. And personally, to prepare for my first birth, even though I was a I was a nurse and had have a master's in nursing and knew I was going to become a nurse practitioner soon, I still took a birthing class. And I mean, I was working in labor and delivery, taking my birthing class. So. I did it because we were going to have a home birth. And I also did it because I wanted my husband to be not so nervous for a home birth, obviously. I chose the Bradley method because I wanted to have a natural birth. You have to at your house. So the Bradley method is the only method I found that has a 90% rate of having a natural birth. And it was true for every class that I saw. I mean, even my class, one person, she got all, she really wanted a natural birth and she did 24 hours of natural labor and she needed a C-section because the baby was just not positioned right. So it, it prepared us all to a really, really high level. If you don't find the Bradley method, if you're wanting a natural birth and that's really important to you, try to get a teacher in your area that teaches it. It's, it might not be as easy But if you can't find the Bradley method, what you want to look for is a longer class. So you don't want to pick a class that's a couple of hours or one day. And that's because because it's not enough time. So basically when I, as I, when I was working as a labor and delivery nurse, if somebody came in, I always asked them, you know, have you, how have you prepared for your birth? And if they said, you know, I took a class for an hour, I don't know what to expect. I knew that they really didn't prepare. And typically if you don't prepare, you're not going to have a natural birth. 
and that's okay, but you just if you're wanting it, you need to take a longer series of classes because it's going to just mentally and spiritually prepare you for, you know, a marathon. Basically, that's what birth is. It's like you can't just jump into a marathon and think that you're going to, you know, finish the way you want to without training. So when you're training for birth, I mean, we can go into the exercise that there's exercise and food, but I chose the Bradley method because it had 12 classes. It included my husband. It had a high rate of natural um, delivery and it looked at, it really taught you what they're going to do when you go into the hospital. So I, I didn't have, I was going to have a home birth, so it didn't matter to me, but everyone else in the class really needed to understand the hospital. So they needed to know what, you know, what, when they're going to offer an epidural, how does it work if they take you to the C-section room? Like everything that they're going to offer you so that um, Pitocin and all these, so that they would be aware and be able to advocate for themselves if they didn't want any interventions given. Because when you're in the moment and you're giving birth and someone comes in and says, you need to take Pitocin, which is a drug, a synthetic drug that helps to increase your labor contractions, basically. Or you need to have Cervidil, which opens the softens and opens the cervix. And you don't know if it's because it's a life or death situation for you, or if it's, you know, for safety, or because they need to, you know, want to hurry your birth. Like, you don't really understand the real ideas of, you know, why they're doing that. But what this method does is over, I think it was three months we went, we were together, we really went through everything to expect and, and all the different positions. So we, my husband and I practiced for three to four months, even though we never used them (laughs) because it was so fast. I mean, but we were ready and he was ready and he was, he was psychologically ready because you need that type of, you know, you're, it's training for a marathon, basically giving birth. My first one was, it was intense. And so you need to train for that. Um, I like the Bradley method because they, it was based on six needs. These needs include darkness and solitude. So they teach you to close the lights off physical comfort by making, so that makes the woman feel very safe and, um, grounded, especially in the first stage. That's really important. Relaxation of the body. So it's really, really important when you're giving birth to not constrict the muscles, but to fully relax them so that the baby can come out and the cervix can open and fear can be let go. Controlled breathing. Obviously, we know that. And the need for closed eyes, um, closing your eyes just to rest your body because it's all about letting go. And it's all about relaxation. And you'll probably find spiritually through your pregnancy that those things are important in their own ways. They come up in their own ways in your life during pregnancy. So back to my home birth. So I had, I had both the children at home. My first birth was, went a lot faster than I even imagined. My second birth was pretty euphoric actually. And I want to speak to you about why the differences between both and why I changed, I changed it the second time. So I didn't know everything I know now, obviously. And I sure wish I would have because I wrote mystical motherhood so that I could teach you all of you listening how to do it differently. And I mean, it makes me want to cry. I wish I would have known these things the first time I gave birth. So you need more support than you can even understand postpartum. Don't skimp on yourself because it shocked me. It shocked me to the core. And I thought all the education and 
you know, experience in postpartum that I had had would prepare me for how intense it was. And it, 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 it couldn't, I didn't have enough family there to support me. And so I felt very isolated. My first birth I had a lot of anxiety. I was, um, constantly on my phone and I didn't know the tick trip tips and tricks that I know now that are, it's all in mystical motherhood for your reading pleasure and hopefully for you to do it differently. But so my second birth, I did it, I planned and I created a post-birth plan. So what I did is I did something called an Ayurvedic postpartum regimen, which I had to find somebody, which took a long time, even in the Bay Area, San Francisco area, I could, it was very hard to find somebody. But in the in my book, you can find some recipes on it and I give you some other books that you can research or buy or purchase that will lead you, you know, if you're interested in doing something like this. So I followed the ancient yogic way of having a postpartum period, which is eating a lot of full fat foods with really, really heavy soft rices. So typically postpartum, it wouldn't be surprising if your family brought you a pizza or if you got a steak dinner or, you know, like sushi. I don't know what it would be, right? So that's really hard for you to digest, if, so think about your stomach. You're going to be giving birth and then your stomach's going to be empty and it's full of air. So in the Ayurvedic system, there's three different um, ways or energetics that your body can be. So it's pitta, which is really fiery, kapha, which is really earthy, and then vata. And this is from and this is from India, these belief systems, and then they're very real. So vata is what happens to you postpartum because you're full of air and vata is the air element. And what the air element does is it causes a lot of stress because it's airy, right? It makes your mind go everywhere. So you may be getting on your phone a lot, or you may not be able to relax. And you're thinking of all the things you need to get done and how you're not completing those and that you're not doing enough. And so because of that, you can't put your full attention on the child. So what Ayurveda does is it uses specific foods and herbs to calm your system down. And it also teaches to wrap your belly. And this is an ancient tribal method is to wrap your belly with, you can even buy a wrap. It's in, it's in my book, wrap your belly. And so you keep all the organs intact lying flat for a couple of days can do that too. But when I did this, I was so surprised. I ate so much and I had a ton of yogi tea. All the recipes are in my book, mystical motherhood, but I ate cooked rice that's cooked for four hours for the first four days with specific nutrients in it and a ton, ton of ghee, which is clarified butter. And then you move into some very soft foods. I mean, vegetables are like three weeks later, but they're very, very cooked. So everything is digestible and nothing causes gas and there's no irritation to the stomach and it's very easy to have a bowel movement, which is really, really important, especially with a C-section and with a vaginal birth. Trust me, you need to have safe and healthy bowel movements after because the areas are so sensitive. So doing this, both pregnancies, I ate very healthy, but I gained 45 plus pounds, 49 pounds. And I'm not a big girl, but I did. In the second, this is going to give you enough info. You'll want to do it after you hear this. I lost 15 to 20 pounds faster by eating this Ayurvedic diet on my second baby. I mean it. It 
was life-changing. Not only did I lose weight faster, I because it was the opposite. I'm like, I can't eat all these carbs and all this fat, but my body used it and my milk, my breast milk was so plentiful and my baby was so calm, had no gas. Another thing I did, so I'm not going to go into all the food I ate and the recipes and all that. You can find that at Mystical Motherhood and you can Google postpartum Ayurvedic methods. You can even go on Amazon to find some more books on that. I highly encourage that. Other things I did is I didn't leave the house for 40 days after my second baby. And I held the baby in a wrap. And this is so against our society, but it changed my entire postpartum period for the better. The first baby, I didn't know to hold the baby in a wrap close to my body. I didn't know to keep the baby close to my, you know me while breastfeeding at you know at night and I I didn't know to keep a side carriage on the bed. And the second time doing the 40 days, so in in the ancient yogic belief system, in the first 40 days of life are very, very important because it secures and bonds the baby to you. So it creates that bond. And so you don't want to let the baby go nine feet from you. So it's not necessary to have every single relative come over and take the baby in the other room. Just say, no, no, thank you. Uh, I'll stay at the baby and don't feel bad about it. Cause after 40 days, you could go to Hawaii if you needed to, but just stay with the baby for those 40 days because you'll create a bond and it makes the baby feel safe and bonded and, and connected to you for life. And it secures the first chakra, which is so and so important. And I go into more details again about this in my book and why to do it, but just trust me, it created a, such a calm postpartum period because I had nothing to do, nowhere to go. I had taken so much time to create that baby, plan for that baby my whole life. Can't I take um, just that amount of time to be with the baby? So I spent a lot of time lying down. I set up a babysitter to come and watch my child. And this may not be possible for everyone, but you can make it happen in the way in a way that you hold the baby close to you. You don't need to take the baby out to the mall. And you don't need to take the baby all over town. Their, their nervous systems are very sensitive. So all the noise, imagine if you came through to this earth and how, how you would feel if you were taken out to a busy party and passed around to different relatives right after coming out of the womb. So you kind of, in order to become a conscious mother, you have to put yourself in this child's um, body almost and realize how sensitive sounds are and realize how sensitive the nervous system is. So when you put a baby down and it cries, it's because its nervous system needs to be bouncing off of yours. So ancient tribes um, would hold babies until they could crawl and then they wouldn't need to hold them anymore. But the reasons they did this is because the baby's muscles would actually, by holding the baby up at the level of the heart, the baby's muscles would become stronger because the baby, when the mom was doing work in the field or the mom was um, walking around, the baby would, the muscles of the stomach would start to contract, which makes the baby actually walk earlier. Um, another, so, cause it has to contract with the bouncing of the mother. Another reason that tribes would do this 
I mean, that was a natural, a natural reason. Another reason that tribes would really do this is they wanted the child at the level of the eyes because they thought of children as, you know, souls in a small body. So grown adults in a small body. So they treated the, the baby as if it was an adult immediately after coming out of the womb. And so they wanted it at the level of the eyes so it could get used to the tribe and feel at one with the tribe. And they talked to it like an adult. Um, that's so valuable. And with my first baby, I didn't know to do this. I didn't know to put, hold the baby like that. And it, and I had such a calmer baby and, and she was so easy compared and, and she wasn't easier lady. I don't think she's just an easier child. That's not the case. It was just that I did it differently and I knew better because actual, actually just a little fact is the the carriage or the buggy or the stroller, we call them, those weren't, those were invented by the queen of England and they're totally new structures. So all these different structures we use to put our children in are, are, that's not what tribes did. And so all of these different things, I mean, tribal children would walk at nine months and my children walked at nine months and books have proven or believe that this is because the children were wrapped and carried on the body, which created more muscles within them. And then they were encouraged to crawl and they weren't put in contraptions because when we're putting all these children in these contraptions or we're wrapping them really, really, really tight consistently, they're not able to move their muscles and create that strong muscle memory almost. So these are just some reasons just some things to think about. I have so much more to teach you. I want you to keep coming back to this podcast. I want you to write in and ask me questions. I have so much knowledge from Western medicine and Eastern medicine and yogic science. And I only gave you just a drop today of some of the things I really wanted you know, you to know that I wish I would have known. So we talked about what to ask a doula, what to ask a midwife, why I chose the Bradley method and the, the, the different qualities of a good class that you should choose. And then also things to think about postpartum and creating a postpartum birth plan, which is just as important or more important than the birth plan, because the birth you can't really predict, but the postpartum can, you can be a little bit more predictable on how you can handle it. So you want to make, just to repeat back, you want to make sure you have a lot of help. You want to make sure that you have someone to help you clean your house. That's so important. You want to be able to relax. I know these are all, you're like saying, how am I going to do all this stuff? But pick something you can do. You can ask your family to cook you the Ayurvedic food instead, and you can prepare it yourself ahead of time and just have it out and teach one person to do it. You could hire someone to come and cook Ayurvedic food for you because there are recipe books for it, and it's not hard. It just takes buying some of the spices, and you can buy a wrap. You can learn, you can decide if you want to have your baby sleep in the same room as you. There's many, 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 many positive reasons of doing this, which you can read about in Mystical Motherhood, whether it's a safe idea for you or not. And you can just be more prepared for actually having the baby. And then in my book, I continue talking about what to do as the child, you know, becomes older, but we'll go into that in different podcasts. Please write in to mysticalmotherhood.com if you have any questions. I'm always here to answer them, and I love getting your questions. And if you want to work with me on a personal level, I'm available. And you can find more about that in the Work With Me tab. On the, on the website, I have a lot of videos, 
and a lot of written articles that will really, really help you. Mystical Motherhood, the book is available on Amazon. Have a wonderful day and please subscribe if you like this.